Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are here for My Turning Point, where this week we are joined by Lucas Nelson. Really fun conversation with him about being home during quarantine, golfing with the likes of Alice Cooper, his dad Willie, as well as The Doors' Robbie Krieger, and uh, what the song On the Road again means to him now that he hasn't been on the road all summer. Hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Really fun one. Just a turning point moment in your life that, that led you here to this point of being in L.A., making music, basically that led you to the success you're having now. Um, I, I would say meeting, meeting my band, um, was the turning point when I got to LA about, Oh, I've got to LA. I went to Loyola Marymount university in LA and, uh, I spent two years there and I met two of my band members at that point. The rest would come very soon after. Actually, three of my band members that I have with me right now, um, Logan, Tato, and Anthony, were all there. And Corey came just a little bit later than that. And uh, meeting this group of guys helped me to realize that why I really love music is because it allows me to travel the world with my best friends and have fun and you know, it's just like, what greater, what greater life could I have? I've got these great, amazing people that are like my brothers and we kind of have each other through the ups and downs of the world. We're kind of, you know, I, it was just, even with this quarantine thing, I spent four and a half months in isolation, but I, I, I really took it well. And I, and I was with my family and I was trying to make the best of it and do the best I could with, with, with what we had. Um, and when I got back to, to meeting with the rest of the guys and we kind of, I mean, I had so much more material and we're now, right now we're in the process of going through all the material that I've had. And, um, in the last year and also in the last 10 years, I, I've, I've got like about 300 songs that we're going over just and picking the best unreleased or maybe released on a record that nobody, you know, heard cause it was a independent, not on a label. And we're trying to pick the best songs that we're going to put out for this next record. And I got to tell you, I saw each and every one of those guys and it made me feel so good to see how well they treated themselves and how well they'd sort of surfed this giant tsunami instead of letting it crash over them and take them down. They, they, they've been able to, I mean, you know, music has been hit harder than almost any other industry. Uh, especially young, young independent musicians, we don't know when we're going to go out on the road again, you know, but yeah. because we have each other, we're going to, we're going to surf this big tsunami and we're going to get through it, you know? And, and the fact that everybody's taking really good care of each other and looks healthy, it makes me really grateful that 12 years ago I met these guys and we started this project together um, and, and have committed to being real with each other, which is what the band name is promise of the real and have gone through thick and thin and played, you know, backed up Neil Young and did a star is born. And, you know, we did all this stuff and, you know, uh, together and, and, and we've had a, a crazy journey and it's only the beginning, um, based on what we got ahead of us. All right. Well, there's a lot of directions to go in with that, including the 300 songs 
I'm not going to forget about that. But, you know, it's, some, it's so interesting what you just said, too, about the, you know, realizing the, you know, meeting the bandmates and realizing that you get to travel the world with your best friends. And obviously, it's a little unique for you because, like you mentioned, your dad being a golfer. You got to see this firsthand growing up. But it's funny. Is it something that, you know, until you actually got to experience it yourself, it, you didn't quite understand it the same way like it's something that again you could talk to your dad about it you could see it as a kid but it's funny i even go i go back to interviewing otis redding's daughter and we talked about the fact that you know she didn't really understand how influential and significant her father was until she got to college because to her that was just dad so you can understand in the abstract but once you started to experience it for your like did you not really understand the whole camaraderie and, and the beauty of it until you got to do it yourself no, uh, the, I, I, I got it at a young age because I kind of grew up like a gypsy on the road with dad. You know, dad, dad was a, an artist that was always on the road. And so in, in order for me to even be close to him, I realized I had to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> and then I ended up joining his band when I was about 13, uh, 14. We started playing on the road every time I'd go out, then I'd join him and my brother would too. And so that was, we were a, a gypsy style road family from the very beginning so you could imagine how this whole situation has has um impacted us i mean dad's you know dad's had a break longer than he's ever had in his whole life ever you know uh, so it's pretty intense but you know i knew about the camaraderie i knew about now when i listen to i will say this now, when I listen to On the Road again, it takes on a whole other meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. Holy shit, man. That's like a sad song now. You know, it's, it's so funny because I was actually, I've been transcribing this morning an interview with Steve Van Zandt and he talked about the break and, you know, having this time and he, similar to your situation, because, you know, he plays with Springsteen, obviously in his own band, Disciples of Soul. And, you know, so there was all this stuff on the road. He was talking about the, the beauty of kind of, you know, shutting down and getting the time to reflect. And, you know, it's very interesting because your situations are similar because he was talking about, you know, he put together this massive box set going through all his work, which he never would have done otherwise. And now you're in the position yeah. to go through 300 songs, which if you had been on the road, you never would have been able to do. So for you, I mean, as you've gone back and revisited these songs, are there things that really stand out to you or that, that surprise you or, you know, where you can see sort of either recurring themes in your songs or progression of, of how you've evolved and changed as a songwriter? Because 300 songs over 10 years is, I mean, that's a lot of, you know, that's, that's well, a it's lot actually, of data. It's actually over, over 10 years, because, uh, but not, not for an interesting reason, because... I basically got on my, my main tear of writing, so to speak, when I was uh, about 16. But when I was about 12, I wrote a song called You Were It. And my dad loved that song so much that he put it on his record, It Always Will Be. So you can actually go online and check it out. Um, it's called You Were It. Um, and that song, to me, is it stands up to any song I've written in the last four months. So it's a really interesting thing with songwriting because I think it, it I'm not sure I have gotten better. I can see the progression um, um, over time and I can see that I've gotten able to produce those types of songs that really make me feel inspired um, 
more, but I think it's more about being clear with myself, being present and being open. And so that's really, I think that lends itself to a better song than any technique you might try to employ or, you know, this or that, you know, I think because, you know, back then when I was 12, I was still writing songs in, you know, and it's sort of like you have to just get your, get out of your own way and let it come through. And I think that this quarantine has helped me do that because uh, on the other hand of that, our, our, we, I mean, we've been going through all the music together as a band and, and we've picked about 40 songs or so that are like our top songs. Not that anyone, for, but, but in terms of candidacy for the next record that we're going to do, they'd be like the top songs. Not even that, that there's some that are as good, but that will, that we feel like are better for other projects or this or that. But, and, and you were it, which I wrote when I was 12 made that list, you know, it, 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 it may not make the record, but it made that list of top songs in, in, you know, in addition to the songs that I've written in the last month or two months, you know? So it's really interesting how I'm not quite sure it's, it's, um, it's you know I, I'm not sh- quite sure it's it's it it, it, it is um, it's something that you can get better or worse at you know I don't know it's just maybe you can by by developing yourself as a human being um, uh, because I think when I was twelve you know it might have been you know I might have been in a better place than I was for you know the middle uh, you know the la- the four five years following that <laughs> and I was like teenager and you know and I may have I write I might have written a few songs that were great then but I might have been a little more scattered and written some stuff that's kind of out there and then sort of come back into my own as a songwriter writer a little later in life you know uh where where I get a little more clarity you know well it's interesting that you say that because I I, I do know exactly what you're talking about and it's funny because I interviewed Nora Jones not long ago and we were talking about for her you know, come away with me and how she wrote that when she was 20 years old and how it was half a lifetime ago for her. But something she said was so interesting about tapping into a sort of when she goes back and hears it, an innocence and a purity that just you, you can't really recapture. And, you know, look, one of my favorite Jackson Brown songs of all time is These Days, which he famously wrote when he was 16 years old. And that's an incredibly precocious song for 16. But there is something about, like you, you, like you say, you kind of are, I don't, you're, you're, kind of clearer and purer of mind in a way. Yeah, I would say so. You know, it, you know, it, there's, it's all, I think it's less to do with the time in your life and more to do with this individual strength at the time of writing that, that, that makes for a good song. You know, even if you're really like in a dark place, like if you're clear with that or accepting of it or whatever, you know, or, or, you know, um, I find it's really difficult, at least for me to write when I'm scattered or when I'm in a, like a really hard place to be in, um, because it takes a certain level of presence in order to let the good stuff come through. You know, I could write some stream of consciousness mumble jumbo, you know, and it might be like cathartic to get it out there. But in terms of something that's like really going to connect with people and that people are going to relate to and that, you know, I think it has to be a little more um, structured, a little more structured. It has to have a balance between structure and esoteric nature, you know. 
Well, it's so interesting then because again, that ties into writing during quarantine because you say that, you know, you have to be present. And I mean, so I would imagine, you know, like there's, look, being on the road with Neil Young is very inspiring. I've interviewed Neil a bunch. You and I have talked about Neil. That's an incredibly inspiring experience, but you know, it doesn't necessarily translate to being able to write at that time or whether you're on the road with your dad, you know, all this. So, so do you find then that having this time that you've been, you know, because I think for a lot of artists, they weren't sure how this was going to go. And there was kind of like, you know, Steve was saying when we were talking for the first two weeks, everyone was just shut down. And then eventually you get into a rhythm. But a lot of that rhythm is writing. And I've spoken to so many artists who found themselves freer during this time, whether it's a Mike Shinoda putting out instrumental songs or g Easy, you know, covering Beck and David Bowie, which he would never do. So for you, do you find there's been a freedom in this in this time for you? I find that there has, but it, it's almost it's almost been um, just I, I have actually gone more into my own creative. I mean, there's been a lot of covers. I did this thing called Quarantunes for my social media fans, uh, you know, where I would do a lot of covers on that. Um, but despite all that, um, I've written. I wrote. I wrote. I think twenty two songs during quarantine and they were they are all in the like you know with but and 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 being objective and my manager being there with me and my manager manages bob dylan and paul simon he's a really good he knows like a good (laughs) ear for songwriting and and we have come up with this music that, I mean, this is a treasure chest of stuff that came from this time. Uh, I think, I don't, I think I've written my best work, my best absolute material. And I think the rest of the band would agree during quarantine. So I, I really approached it that way too. I mean, I was thinking like, you know, Shakespeare wrote a lot of his best work. Yeah. I heard all these stories where Shakespeare wrote this during a quarantine, a pandemic and, and Newton discovered calculus during a pandemic. You know, I was like, well, I better get cracking, <laughs> you know? So I, I really took it to heart and, uh, and I knew it wouldn't last forever in whatever, you know, capacity. Yeah. But nothing lasts forever. So I figured I better, I better get, get to work. You know, I have the time I got to get to working. Well, it's so funny because you say nothing lasts forever, but I mean, this feels like it lasts forever and you know, we still don't know when it's going to end. So there is that aspect. That's true. Of it. But it already yeah. changed for me. I mean, I was in, I was, I knew it would, you know, there's there. I was in quarantine for four and a half months uh, with my parents. And I got to say, I miss that time. I miss it. I mean, I miss it a lot. I was, I had dinner with my mom and dad, just me and her and them. My brother was there for part of the time, but he ended up coming to LA and then, you know, and, and I, I had dinner with him at 5.30 every night. I meditated twice a day. I exercised. I didn't smoke once. Smoked weed. I didn't drink. Actually, I smoked weed one time on 420. I take it back. But that was it. And then I, I didn't drink at all. I still haven't had a drink. You know, I, I, I've, um, I've gone into, like, tantric yoga. I mean, I, did, I really, there's, 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 something about this last four months that is, you know, talk about a turning point. I think I'm, I'm more, a, I'm a more well-rounded human being than I ever have been at this point. And I, I produced, I learned a Chopin song. I learned a, 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 one of his nocturnes in B flat minor. Uh, you know, it's just like, 
I, you know, I, I really took the time to sit and, and get clear with myself and, and to try and let go of old patterns that had begun to uh, become automatic and accumulate over time just from not even having the time to sit down and be at peace with myself for a minute and, and face my demons even, you know? So yeah, this has been a pretty productive time and, uh, and it has changed. I'm not there anymore. You know, I came here. So, so, you know, uh, it's, it's, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to be on the road at some point and, uh, and, and play for people. And when that happens, it'll be a really great big celebration. Yeah. Well, now it's interesting for you as well. I want to take this back into the guitar thing for a second. Cause we haven't really talked about, for the sure. yeah. but it's funny yeah. because, yeah. you know, we talked about the turning point. So for you, you know, being 12 years old, you know, and learning to play guitar cause you knew you had to play for, you know, you knew you had to learn to play to hang out with your dad, you know, what does that mean to, you know, start out as this kid who was doing it basically to bond with family. And now you're at this point where, you know, you have your own guitar, you know, it's no longer a, a family thing. This is your signature guitar. So I imagine that's got to be an incredibly cool feeling. It is, you know, it's full circle. I, I mean, I have so much, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, what brought me to this place, which is the guidance of my family and, um, and, uh, and, and, and the examples that they set, you know, things to do, a few things not to do, but mostly things that I, that I took from them and adopted, um, in terms of, you know, uh, work ethic and the ability and, and the connection with family, all these things are really important and lead to, I think, that turning point, which you're talking about getting your own guitar. I mean, look, I started. I brought it to um, San Rafael. I was playing with Bob Weir at his TRI studios in San Rafael. And uh, Larry Craig is uh, actually, uh, uh, he was a tech for Neil Young for a long time and he collects vintage amps and he was bringing some magnetones for me to play, which I play magnetones and, and, uh, he, these are amps and he, and he brought a guitar and it was my guitar. It's from 1956. It's a Les Paul Jr. And I fell in love with it immediately with the P90, with the expressiveness of the, you know, I fell in love with how, how I could, without any pedals, I could get more of a, like a crunch from it if I attacked it harder. And then it could get a really nice, clean, beautiful sound if I, so it was very expressive just in its own in its own, um, form. Uh, and, and it gave me a lot of, of room to, to be able to like close my eyes and, and feel it kind of like in a way where, you know, a piano has weighted keys on a grand piano and you can go lightly and go harder. Not every guitar has that capability, you know, uh, to really show the, the, the variation, uh, and have that type of dynamics. Um, and so, you know, this guitar became quickly my main guitar and it became, kind of the voice I had live and, uh, and I, and I hadn't looked back and then, you know, eventually Gibson came along. So, you know, but it, it all came from being on the road hundreds of days a year and playing the same guitar, <laughs> you know, you just got to put in the time. So, so what to you is like, it's funny when you think of the idea of now people playing the guitar that, you know, has your name on it, your signature, What's the number one thing that you want them to take away from this experience? When you think about being a kid and playing and learning, 
you know, what's like the coolest thing that people could have playing this guitar? What's the one thing that that they could have? What, like the coolest experience they can have playing it, or the coolest thing that you can hear them say playing it? Well, I would want them to feel like it it fits them in a way that uh, back in the day, uh, we, you know, this will this will expose a little of my nerdiness, but I read the Harry Potter books, you know. And it mm -hmm. was all about, and and a big part in the beginning, they they're like choosing their wands, you know, and uh, and and some somehow you know a guitar you pick up it just speaks to you and it and it becomes like your magic wand, you know, and uh, and so you know uh, what I'm hoping is that this guitar speaks to a lot of people in that way. <laughs> You know, it's so interesting about it because you say that you found this and, and this quickly just became your guitar and you knew it. And it's funny, though, because, I mean, you know, look, we talked about you playing with The Doors. We talked about you playing with, you know, Neil Young, playing with your dad. I, I mean, you know, for you, you know, I'm sure you saw that experience many times of watching some, you know, these great guitarists with their guitars. And for you, was it kind of that, you know, I guess to use the analogy of the, you know, love at first sight. Like when you first played this guitar, it was just, we'll take it to a sports analogy, right? Like I always talk about this, you know, cause I'm a basketball fan. You're a golf guy, right? You were talking yeah. about like when you play, you, you can know someone, you can be friends with them. You can get along with them. They can be great. They can be a great player, but there's that moment that you find that chemistry that you can play together. So for you, was it an instantaneous thing with this guitar where you had that chemistry? Yes. Yes. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it just became my voice. I don't know how else to say it. You know, it just became, yes, absolutely. The chemistry with, with the rest of the instruments, it, you know, it, you, yeah, you spelled it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, you know, um, well, I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I am curious, by the way, you know, now that you've narrowed the 300 songs down, to 40 songs, you know, 22 of which have been written in quarantine and one written when you were 12. Is there a timeline yeah. for when you'll start putting out new music? No, and I'm not allowed to say. Uh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to say. See, this is part of the playful... Uh, Injury. A little bit of the, the, the playful myth that, that, that uh, you know, that my manager said, hold on now, don't tell anybody because this is going to be good. So you just wait kind of thing, you know. And... Uh, and you know, I, I, I've never, um, I've never, I can just say that this is the best work we'll ever put out. Uh, not we will ever put out, but we have ever put out by far. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's so funny by the way too, and we'll make these last two questions, but for me, I'm a diehard Springsteen fan, right? That's my number one artist of all time. And, yeah. you know, I, I think about the idea of, you know, the box sets and all the stuff he goes through. So as you started to put together and, and assemble this concept of all these songs that you're going to go through, were there any artists that you ever got to speak to or any artists that you just know about that you looked up to for the way that they've been able to put together these kinds of things? And actually, it's funny because for me, I'm a Springsteen guy, but I'm also a huge Neil fan. And I mean, you look yeah. at what he does with the archives and putting out stuff yeah. all the time and whether it's homegrown or the fireside yeah. sessions or, you know, so, so it's funny. Was there anybody that you got advice from on sort of how to 
mine the career retrospective to put together a new package or to go through it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Neil talked a lot about that, um, and Jeff Kramer, um, who's my manager, uh, is is really good at that as well. So he's he's you know. He's, well, I, I have a lot of good guidance, let's just say, on how to, how to put together a nice little archive when the time comes. And, uh, you know, uh, his, his specialty is songwriters, and I'm a songwriter, first and foremost. And so, you know, being able to archive that music and, and also to provide uh, the best home for the songs is 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 really, it's kind of, I've, I've got good guidance in that way. But what, whether it's Neil or Bob Dylan or Paul Simon or Dad or, you know, there's, there's good mentors in the, in the mix. See, it's funny something you just said, though, that you're a songwriter first and foremost. Did you always know that was the case? Or, or was it something that as you became, got more into it, you realized? Because again, you know, to a lot of people know you as a guitar player or, you know, you started off playing guitar. Was it some like was there a sort of point where you realized that you were a songwriter first and foremost, or did you always just feel that in your heart? No, I was reading a book. This was a long time ago. I was reading a book about um, Muhammad Ali called King of the World. And in it, he talks about how every champion sort of knows deep inside that there's something that they can do as good or better than anyone in the world, right? And I always knew I was never going to be the best guitar player. I didn't want to put a lot. I didn't want to put enough hours into it. <laughs> you know, I put a lot of hours into playing guitar, but I just didn't think that that was my most effective use of my time. And, and, um, and I still am, you know, always learning guitar and hopefully one day I'll be considered a great, like a great guitar player in time. But, um, one thing I know I can do as good or anybody as anybody else. And I knew this when I was young, after I wrote, you were it. Um, I, I was like, Oh, that's, you know, I, I knew I had a talent for that, that I could write a, as good a song as anybody. Um, even from that time. And so that's something that I always hold. I, 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 I it's a special play also, you know, and performance and all that, it's all really important, you know, but, but the songwriting, is and the singing is important too but you know heck, look i ain't no reefa franklin <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know i and and i i'm definitely not michael jackson up there and i'm not a stevie ray vaughn you know and so but i can say that i can write a song as good as anybody you know well you know it's funny then when you knowing that from the time you were a kid you know taking into the success of like a star is born because we did talk around that time you know, I yeah. mean, how gratifying was that to be recognized for it and have other people see that? And, you know, just again, because knowing that that's where your heart lies, it's not even about other people, you know, like recognizing the talent. It's just for you, that's where your heart lies. So to be in a position where then, you know, the songwriting is being recognized and you can share it in that platform. What did that mean to yeah. you? Well, it was, uh, it was a really nice feeling. I got to be honest to, to know that that you know people resonated with those songs you know and uh and that they still do and um it just inspired me to write more 
All right. Last question. But for you as, as a songwriter, then focusing on the songwriter first and foremost, it's funny because you say you can write a song as well as anybody. But the thing is, is as I always talk about with people, right? As an artist, you always are striving to be better. You always are no matter what, because that's the nature of being an artist. And I use the yep. example of if John Coltrane had thought of Love Supreme was a perfect record, you know, he wouldn't have had a desire or he wouldn't have had incentive to make more music. So there's always right. that drive to do something. So for you, when you think of that one song that you would hope to, I don't know, achieve or equal or whatever it is, basically the one song you wish you had written, what is it and why? Well, and I will just reiterate that I don't think I, that all my songs are the greatest. <laughs> I just think <laughs> that, you know, um, but I would say, I would say crazy. You know? Yeah. When dad wrote crazy, that was a, I mean, that's one of the great songs ever written, you know? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe then only love can break your heart or, um, or, you know, bridge over troubled water or, you know, something like that. Uh, sound of silence, maybe, you know, uh, uh, heart of, heart of gold, you know, Bob Dylan's his whole repertoire <laughs> you know, it goes after that. I mean, how about, you know, um, uh, uh it's all over now, baby blue. Uh, well, blowing in the wind or like a rolling stone. Or, you know, I mean, look, man, you know, it, it, at a certain point, you can't say that, that one song is better than another. And that's why, you know, that's why I say as good if not better, you know, than any other, you know, like, cause I, I, when you get to the level of Ray Charles and, and, uh, you know, Louis Armstrong, one of those guys is not better than the other. It's just completely different type of genius. You know, it's a whole different expression, you know? So it's not really a competition necessarily. It's just, I know I can do that. I know that I can express that type of songwriting. You know, I know it's in me. And so it's a matter of reaching in and tapping into that, you know? Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent, by the way, in terms of that level, because it's like, again, I've always said, no one's ever written a better rock song than Johnny be good. And no one ever will. People have written songs as good. And I mean, how the hell do you say that anybody could ever write a better song than God only knows, you know, like, right. I don't really exactly. Think, yeah. I don't think, you, you know, but again, so you strive to do something as good and, you know, but yeah, so I agree with you. And uh, yeah, well, I'm excited to hear all the new music and, you know, whenever it comes out. And, and by the way, you tell your manager, I, I love that because, you know, I grew up as, as a fan of the seventies bands and, you know, like, so I love the idea of mystique and I think it's something that needs to be back in music more often, you know, and, and to me, it's like, you know, that's what made Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, besides of course, the amazing catalog was the mystique yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's part of like hey wait a second we'll show you when we're ready <laughs> you know? exactly cool anything you want to add i did not ask you about no that was it man cool well congratulations on the guitar the new music thanks pleasure catching up pleasure's mine i'll talk to you soon 
Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you have been tuned into My Turning Point with special guest Lucas Nelson. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thanks. If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.